the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy and ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Joined now by the leader of the United States Senate, uh, Senator Mitch McConnell. Good morning, Senator. Welcome back. Good morning, Hugh. Glad to be with you. The uh, the health of your 99 colleagues and of your staffs, I know, is first and foremost on your mind. To your knowledge, is everyone doing okay? As far as I know, as you know, I had four members either in quarantine or one uh, tested uh, positive, which is why four of my members missed the unanimous vote uh, last week. As far as I know, they're all doing well. It's good. Now, that unanimous vote, until two weeks ago, I had thought the finest hour of your tenure as leader of the Senate would have been the decision to hold open the seat vacated by the untimely death of Justice Scalia. Now I think it's that rescue package. I'm wondering in your own mind where you rank the relative importance of those two events. Well, they were both quite important, no question about it. Uh, Very different situation. Um, This was a genuine national emergency and trying to put together a $2 trillion bill in a week uh, was really a Herculean task, as you can imagine. Uh, the, the way I thought it would work best would be for those of us in the Senate to try to get started on a bipartisan basis. And we were doing really quite well, as you may recall, until the Speaker of the House decided to assert, insert herself into the process, which created a couple of days of unnecessary partisan sniping. But we got past that. And in the end, I think the, the best evidence is that there was not a single vote against it. It was a genuine emergency, and we rose to the occasion. I was really proud of my colleagues. Uh, I have never seen two days in the Senate like those two days. I actually was watching on C-SPAN because it was unprecedented, with perhaps the exception of the Kavanaugh and Thomas hearings, but this was on the floor. Have you ever seen anything like it, Leader? Well, occasionally people lose their tempers. I, I think, um, you know, what, what really is noteworthy about this is we pivoted from the most partisan thing you could possibly be involved in, the impeachment of a president, uh, to a unanimous vote on a $2 trillion package all within a couple of months. So we did have an outbreak of, of you know, kind of the old-fashioned old impeachment partisanship, uh, which uh, I think was generated by the speaker trying to... Uh, get into the Senate process. There, There is obviously going to be a need for another bill. I look at the restaurant industry where 3% of restaurants have closed completely forever, maybe double digits. I look at the broadcast industry, some segments of it without revenue. Will there be a phase four, and how will that develop Leader McConnell? Well, I think we'll have to wait and see. Remember, this bill was only signed into law last Friday, so it's only been law for about four days. And the speaker's already talking about another bill that, you know, I, I think you have to genuinely be aware of the speaker in a situation like this. I'm reminded of what 
Rahm Emanuel said uh, during the financial crisis, never let a crisis go to waste. What that meant was seize on the crisis to try to achieve unrelated policy items that you have not been able to get under other circumstances. So I, I would think any kind of bill coming out of the House, I would look at, like uh, Reagan suggested, we look at the Russians, uh, trust but verify. Now, the the speaker has announced that she's working on phase five, and I thought to myself, that's not going to fly. Phase one and two came out of the House. Phase three came out of the Senate. Any phase four would have to be a joint effort. Is there any plan to undertake a joint effort, Leader McConnell? Well, I think first we need to see what's, what, what the effect of the current bill is. The Treasury, of course, is wrestling with all this uh, a complicated effort to speed checks to individuals and small businesses to get us through this uh, period until the uh, health care pandemic begins to subside. And so I think we need to, to wait a few days here, a few weeks, and see how things are working out. Uh, she hasn't uh, suggested the House would even come back into session until the 20th of April, and I've said the same thing. So let's let's uh, let's see how things are going and respond accordingly. But let's not – I'm not going to allow this to be an opportunity for the Democrats uh, to achieve unrelated policy items that they would not otherwise be able to pass. Uh, I hear you. Leader, uh, I want to touch you about pandemic bonds. Uh, I know the president's intrigued by them. The Treasury doesn't have to have authority to issue them. Do you think we ought to try and involve citizens in this effort to pay for all the public health infrastructure that's got to stand up? I think it's an interesting idea. And um, we're looking at every idea that people can participate. And I think what the, the, the way the American people have responded to this is really inspirational. I mean, people reaching out and helping others, not to mention the heroic healthcare workers who are exposing themselves to this uh, public health uh, uh, crisis uh, by taking care of these sick patients. I think the, the country is responding in a way that is reminiscent of the attitude and uh, after 9-11. And it, it's really, as I said, inspiring to all of us who've been elected. Uh, yeah, I have watched... I've watched almost every minute of the president and the task force briefings in the Rose Garden. I like the fact that he brings the public sector forward. Yesterday he brought forward Mike Lindell, who I know is a sponsor of this show. He's on Fox a lot. And so he got hammered by the left. What do you think of criticism of the private sector that is turning as all as one to assist the government in the effort to beat this pandemic? I just think they should be celebrated, but that's not happening. It underscores the attitude of the political left that if you're making a profit, you must be up to no good. You know, uh, there are heroes in the private sector who are wonderful people who are stepping up, and every one of these companies that's stepping up, I bet many of them are not going to make any money off of what uh, what they're doing. A, a, a great company in my hometown, Humana Health Insurance Company, just decided to waive uh, co-payments. Waive co-payments. That's going to cost them a significant amount of money. Uh, that should be applauded, and I think putting the private sector that's stepping up on full display is a, the right thing to do. I applaud the president for doing it. I think we should all applaud uh, these uh, private sector companies who are stepping up to help us deal with this crisis. I'll come back to that in the president in a second. Let me ask about Kentucky, Senator. Uh, you know, I'm on in Louisville, Lexington. I'm on all across uh, the Bluegrass State. 
but I am unaware of what Dr. Burke said. Every single metro area will be impacted uh, severely by this disease. How is Kentucky handling it? I think it's responding well, and we, we are being impacted like everyone else. Uh, and the cases have uh, appeared all over the state. Obviously, more cases in the more heavily populated urban areas of Louisville and Lexington, but in other areas as well. And our state is, uh, everyone is staying at home and uh, making the best of it, and we're going to do everything we can to bend the curve. Now, I want to talk to you about the nature of media, not to bash on the media. They're all my friends. I know most of the people standing up in the Rose Garden and getting into back and forth with the president. I just think that the lens that the media has been operating through since 2015 of President Trump versus them is not appropriate right now. Can we get is it are you hopeful that the media can reconsider and adjust its lens to the fact that this is a national emergency in which red blue doesn't really matter? I wouldn't bet on it. Did you see the Gallup poll last week? Congress, which hasn't had a favorable rating, I don't believe, since right after 9-11, 59% approved, 37% disapproved, and the worst numbers were the media down in the 40s. I think the American people are sick and tired of all the negativity, and um, the Democrats, it seems to me, want to uh, turn uh, the president's handling of all this into a political liability for him. I see he's getting attacked uh, in in campaigns. Uh, goodness, I wish we could all just turn this off, you know, until we get to a period where we've bent the curve and are beginning to get back to normal. I don't expect that's going to happen, however. I, I hope you are right that we could do it and that we do do it. Let me talk to you a little bit about Senator Cotton. Politico yesterday recognized him as the first to the bell. In your experience in the Senate, was Senator Cotton the first one to say, hey, leader, hey, Mitch, this is a deadly situation. I do not trust the Chinese. Was he first? He was first. And I think Tom was right on the mark. And it, it came up while we were you know, tied down in the impeachment trial. And I think it diverted the attention of uh, the government because every everything every day was all about impeachment, but uh, Tom figured this out early, and he was absolutely right. And uh, China has not covered itself in glory; far from it. I believe, however, a lot of our media is trusting their their statistics and falling for their uh, disinformation propaganda campaign. Do you see that, uh, Senator McConnell? I don't know how to evaluate that. I sort of look to the healthcare professionals to decide you know, how to analyze these trends. And I know they're spending all day, every day doing it. Uh, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks have become national figures. They deserve to become national figures. And I think we have to listen to them because we don't have anybody else, you know, who can analyze uh, these statistics and give us some kind of advice about the way forward. Last question, Senator McConnell. Uh, how do you think the president is doing in leading the country in this crisis, indeed the world? I think the president is doing very, very well, and even his critics, again, going back to the Gallup poll last week, he had a 60% approval rating on handling the coronavirus, and in that 60% were 27% of the Democrats, which is something the president has not had from the beginning of his term. He's had uh, very poor ratings among uh, Democrats. So I think when 27% of Democrats who've been 
extremely resistant to anything the president does for three and a half years. Say he's doing a good job on this. That ought to tell you something. I think he'll keep it up, and I'm proud of the way he's been handling it. Uh, now, Senator, I've never done an interview with you without bringing up judges. So you got a Fifth Circuit nominee yesterday. When the Senate comes back, will you be acting on judges? And part two, have you heard anything about any retirements from the Supreme Court? I've heard nothing about any retirements at the Supreme Court, but, of course, we will go back to judges. You know, Hugh, you and I have talked about this before. My motto for the rest of the year is leave no vacancy behind. I am looking forward to the return of normalcy and and back to business. Senator McConnell, thank you for joining me. Keep coming back. I appreciate your leadership last week. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership program offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. This is Lon Chen of the Hoover Institution for townhall.com. The coronavirus crisis has already exacted a significant toll on our country with lost lives and lost livelihoods. Our economy is basically shut down with millions joining the ranks of the unemployed each week. I know that all Americans, like me, are eager to get back to life as usual. But this coronavirus crisis is one that will not end on our own timing, and we will need both grace and patience to carry us through. We will not be able to restart our economy until the worst of the public health crisis has passed. It will be hard to convince people to eat out, shop at the mall, attend a sporting event, or take that trip to Europe until they believe it is safe to do so. So that means, as hard as it is, we wait at home for this crisis to end, with the confidence that this too shall pass. I'm Lon He Chen. The Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Impacting policy decisions today. Preparing public leaders for tomorrow.